All right. Isaiah 40, just verse 31 at this point. But they that wait upon the Lord, you see those words, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. I'm going to pray one more time. Father, please help me be a blessing, an encouragement. Lord, just help me preach what is needed by your people this morning. Help somebody who is listening, watching, and does not know just the, uh, the saving power of Jesus Christ. Doesn't know, they know religion or they know theology, but they don't know Jesus. Lord, today would, would, that, would today be the day that somebody humbles himself enough to admit they need to be born again. They would get saved. But Lord, every Christian, I pray, that's listening and watching, God, would decide that they honestly have been running on empty and they need to be renewed. They need this revival. They need this kind of strength that, that, that you offer. So would you please help me be clear, help every hearer understand and act upon this great, great opportunity we have to wait upon the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. And I'm going to talk to you just uh, learning how that waiting helps us to press on. It's kind of a contradiction. You wait to go. But that's God. God does that. God sometimes just sets you down and causes and forces you to do nothing so he can get you to do what he wants you to do. So uh, waiting is a hard thing to do. Would you agree? Most of us are very impatient. We won't admit it, but we're impulsive, we're anxious, we're hasty in our actions. We just react. And then we get angry when things don't work out like we want right then and there. And that's, that's us. But biblical waiting is more like eagerness, enthusiasm, excitement, long patience. See, one of those things is a sin. The other one's just fine. You know, it's a sin to be anxious. It's a sin to be hasty. It's a sin to be angry when things aren't going your way. But the other one, it's absolutely Christian. You know, I'm eager. I'm enthusiastic. I'm excited about looking forward to the rapture of Christians. I, I can't wait. I don't want to wait. I'm being forced to wait. I'm looking forward to seeing my grandkids again and, and uh, uh, building Legos with them. That's a right kind of eagerness, right? But um, uh, what it means to wait on you, I have to pull my picture right here. Um, uh, impatience is, is ruining our Christian life. But what it means to wait on God. Now, here's some thoughts, okay? I need you to go to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, I want you to first understand waiting does not mean being idle. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. Matthew 20 and verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers, those are workers, into his vineyard. Verse 2, Matthew 20, verse 2, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, and you say, that's terrible. No, a penny was a day's wage. It got you, got you a loaf of bread. It, you, know, you, could, you could pay your bills. It wasn't a lot of money, but that was their, their wage. He sent them into his vineyard, verse 3, and he, and he went out about the third hour, which would be 9 a.m., and he saw others standing, look at the word idle, in the marketplace, just standing there. And he said to them, Go you also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give you. They went their way. Verse 5, and again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour. That would be six hours from, from sunrise, would be noon, and at 3 p.m., and did likewise. He found some more people. Verse, uh, verse 6, 
And about the 11th hour, which is five in the evening, normally people worked until sundown, 6 p.m. So at the 11th hour, he went out, he found others, watch these words, standing idle. And he said to them, why stand ye here all the day idle? Verse 7, oh boy, they got an excuse, don't they? And they say to him, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard, even though it's a late hour, get busy, and whatever is right, that shall you receive. You see, standing around idle is not the normal Christian life. If you're just waiting on someone to pay you to do something, then you're sinning. You say, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything right. If you have to be paid to be doing something, then you should starve. Amen. If you're sitting around still waiting on mama to feed you, if you're still waiting on daddy to pay all your bills, and you're 22 years old, you're 31 years old, you ought to starve. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. And I'm speaking to adults. Well, we should be busy about Christian work. Christians ought to be the best workers in the world, even as volunteers. We don't have to be paid. We get rewards for doing things for free. I'm not talking about rewards from heaven. So don't be idle. Waiting on God does not mean being idle. Waiting has a, has a great meaning. It means having your attention on God and not on your circumstances. It means to rest in your expectations. Do you know, I'm not worried about the coronavirus or some chip implant that's coming soon, and it is. I'm watching God move everything into place for the rapture. I'm excited. I've actually got my eyes on God causing, uh, as, I, as I see him causing men's hearts to fail in fear and desperation. And it's only the beginning. Do you know, you can keep your eyes on the news all day. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. You see, if I'm waiting on the Lord, my eyes are on him and not on my circumstances. Waiting means to be ready to serve when you're called for. To allow God to take all the time he thinks is necessary. And to never panic, but to rest while you're expecting and waiting for him to call you. Compare it, compare it to being a waiter or a waitress. You see, if you're waiting, you'll actually, if you're actually doing your job, you're waiting to be called by a customer. And you're busy working in the background while you're waiting to be called. You know, every waiter or waitress I've seen has always got something they got to do, whether they're folding uh, serviettes or, or uh, uh, packaging um, uh, knives and forks and spoons or setting out dishes. Or They're always busy, but they are called a waiter because they are waiting to be called. They are... Uh, they are also predicting what may be needed when they are called. So they're always preparing. If they notice your, your glass of water is a little low, they'll quickly go and get the pitcher, and they'll come and say, would you like more water? If your coffee is getting a little low, or if you've been there for a little while, they'll come and say, would you like a top-up? That's waiting, and that's what Christians are. We're supposed to be good waiters on God. Now, there are loads of scriptures on waiting on the Lord. Go to Psalms in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 25. Psalm 25, <clears throat> Psalm 25 and verse 5, what a great psalm. 25 and verse 5 says, lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and that is true. 
Mary's not your salvation. Church is not your salvation. The pastor's not your salvation. God is the God of my salvation. And on thee do I wait. How long? I wait all day long. I'll be glad to wait on him. I'll be glad to serve him. I'll be glad to, if he needs me, I'm ready. If he doesn't need me, I'll be in holding pattern ready to serve him. That's a good thing. Now, you and I know how to wait on our kids and our wife and maybe your husband uh, and you're waiting forever and ever and you get very frustrated. But when you wait on God to direct your steps, I'll talk about this more next week, uh, you can rest. He's going to take all the time he needs to get you from A to B. Go to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 14. The last verse of the psalm. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen, note those words, circle that word, strengthen thine heart. But you got to do what? Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, it's both a command to patiently wait on the Lord, let him be in charge, and also a promise that he will strengthen your heart. Psalm 37, Psalm 37, in verse 7. Psalm 37, in verse 7. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Look at that picture. The idea is somebody else gets ahead of you. Somebody else gets a better job. Somebody else gets a raise. Somebody else um, uh, gets a girlfriend, gets a, a boyfriend, gets a wife, gets kids, and you're in the back. Wait patiently. Fret not. Don't get upset because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, don't do that. Cease from anger. He goes on. I'm not going to go into it. We'll do it next week. But the idea is we're told that we can wait. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Don't worry about how far they're getting, how much better their house is or whatever. You need to say, you know, Lord, I'm waiting on you. Uh, verse uh, Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Psalm 130, verse 5. <clears throat> we'll come back, we'll, we'll deal with these verses at the very end of the message. So mark these verses. Psalm 130, verse 5 says this, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. My flesh may not like waiting, and it usually doesn't. But my soul waits upon the Lord, and in his word do I hope. Verse 6, my soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. Now the watchers, the people that are on duty, on guard, watching like security guards, they wait for the morning because during the night, people could sneak up, they could attack, and you wouldn't see them until they're right on you. And so you're looking forward to the break of the day where you can see and you feel safer. And David says, I yearn, I watch, sorry, I wait for you, Lord, like they wait for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Um, <clears throat> Lamentations, you're in Psalms, go one more. I just couldn't stop. I have I have 200 scriptures, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to give you all of them, obviously. This is the last one in the series here. But Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 5. Is that, no, 325. <clears throat> Lamentations 325. The Lord is good unto them that... Wait for him. You say, boy, I got a lot to work on. Yeah, patience. That's what, that's where it begins is patience. See, trust is not, all right, I'm going to believe God for X, Y, and Z. No, trust is, 
you know, I, I learned to wait on God giving instructions, on God showing me what to do, on God opening the next door. The Lord is good to them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. You see, we're always wanting things. We're always wanting to get. And the Lord says, what about me? How about, how about looking for me? How about seeking time with me? How about knowing the treasure of just me in your life? So there are loads of scriptures, wouldn't you say? I mean, a lot of powerful scriptures on waiting on the Lord. But you say, well, why is it so hard to wait? And I'll give you three thoughts. David wrote this in Psalm 69. He says, I, I am weary for my crying. My throat is dried. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. He says, I just, I just can't see. I, I, ow, I, can't, I, can't, I don't know what's coming up. I can't see beyond anything. My eyes are, are failing. It's, he's saying, why? Because while I wait for God, it, it's hard to wait. Now, I'll give you three reasons why it's hard to wait. Number one, because we have limited time on our sides. You know, you can't wait until you're about 70 before you start to think about getting married. I mean, there's a clock inside of us that says, I need to get married. And that's a good thing, all right? Uh, time is against us. And so it's in our nature to not wait. Other reason why it's hard to wait is because others in competition with us. Um, I, I, I share this probably fearfully, trembling, but when I first saw Nita, I saw somebody else uh, asking her out for... Uh, just a simple date, and I, my, my response was, boy, I better make a move and ask her to go with me on a date. And you, you, you realize other people are competing for some of the same things that you want, and it makes us so that we're not so quick. It's not so easy to wait. Thirdly, we have an old nature that does not easily trust God. We don't like waiting on God. You know, we would rather just go and get what we want then and there. That's why we go down to the shop. That's why we go down to the department store. We just get things. Now, some things you got to get. That's fine. Some things you don't have to get. You can wait. And uh, Isaiah compares us to greedy dogs. You know, there are dogs that, that you can actually put a piece of bacon right on their nose, and they won't budge because their master has taught them to wait until he gives them the nod, and then boom, that bacon's eaten up. But other dogs are greedy. I mean, you can't even pull it, you can't even pull it off the stove before they're jumping on top of you trying to get that bacon. And that's us. We don't know how to wait. We don't have to just sit and wait for the master to say, now. So wait is not easy for any of us. You say, Pastor, have you learned to wait? No. But I want to. I'm trying. So it's but it, it, I, I focus on this because it's a big part of the Christian life. Not just getting, I love praying and getting answers to prayer, but I don't love praying and waiting. Anybody else like that? So when we talk about this, we're specifically talking about waiting on God. Now here's the problem, all right? You cannot put God on your schedule. Yet there are people who believe that you should be able to just command something to happen and it happened. You know, that's, that's blasphemy. In the name of Jesus, I command such and such. That is blasphemy. Because only God can speak and it happened. So we, we, we've got this instant attitude that if I want something, I can just speak into existence. You know what that is? That's the devil. Because only Satan wants things now. Um, uh, people believe that God should just give them whatever they pray for. But you know what those are? They're spoiled brats in Christianity. And they're the kind that come to church and they get into prayer meetings, but when they don't get what they want, when they want it, they leave. 
They quit. They curse the gospel when they don't get what they want. And that's a shame. Now, I give you an example of a farmer. Because a farmer will plow, and then you know what he has to do? He has to wait. He'll plow and plant, and then he'll wait. Sometimes a month, sometimes two months. Sometimes he has to wait years later before he gets fruit. Do you know a banana tree takes two years, years from its seedling to where it starts producing bananas? When you've taken that banana and you've opened it up, the, the seed was already two years old that produced that banana. Lemon trees take three years to start producing. Olive trees need five years before they start producing olive trees. And even after that, it takes years before they get really good. Mango trees also take five years from planting to fruit. Apple trees take up to 10 years before they're producing good fruit. And it takes between 50 to 80 years for a mighty oak tree to mature enough to start producing acorns. It can't even reproduce until it's nearly 50, 60, 70 years old. And that's very, you know, nature can teach us a lot about, about God because God designed both us and nature. But uh, we have to learn to wait on God just like the farmer does and just like those planted fruits do. We all usually know all the promises about prayer and we claim the promises about prayer, but we hate the delay in getting them answered. Not because God is slow. I mean, he's not an old, doting, old, uh, tottering old man up in heaven. Don't ever call him the old man upstairs. Uh, it's not that he's uh, slow or weak or stupid. God takes his time because he takes all the time that's needed to make things, make sure things are just right. You know, I trust a God who takes his time. I trust a politician who takes his time to evaluate what ought to be done. I trust a doctor who says, well, let me get another opinion. I don't like people who are just impulsive and they just act and they, they see a website or they see, uh, they hear something and they immediately judge and they immediately conclude, you know, that's of the devil. God takes all the time he needs to make sure things are done just right. You ever eaten an unripe banana? You go and you peel that banana back and you bite into it, which is not enjoyable at all. It wasn't ready. And there are too many things in our life that aren't ready because we rushed into them. Ecclesiastes 3.11, don't go there, but it says this, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. You know, we have a promise in the Bible that says, we, and we know that, that, uh, uh, um, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called, the called according to his purpose. We know that he works all things together for good. What we don't know is how long he's going to take. So when a Christian gives out a gospel track and explains the gospel to someone, you then have to wait for that someone to understand it and then wait for them to actually receive the gift of eternal life. You cannot believe for them. Believe me, I've tried. I've been so excited. I wanted to pray for them. <laughs> I wanted to get, actually, I wanted to get saved all over again because I loved it so much. When a Christian sacrifices, but you have to wait on them. You have to wait for the pennies to drop in their hearts. When a Christian sacrifices their pride and they decide to honor their enemy above themselves, and then has to endure abuse for a little while longer. They're learning to wait for God to work everything out in the end for good. You know, sometimes you're being good to your neighbor because you, you realize God wants to save them too. God wants to bring them into the kingdom. In simpler words, there is always a delay. There is always a wait, a measure of patience in faith. Don't be like the devil that just wants to have everything now. God, here's a great thought. God has caused his people throughout history to wait. And he always does it to develop trust. 
You remember young Joseph? Joseph was a young teenager who had <clears throat> nothing but dreams, and he was the favorite son of his dad. He was going places, and all the other brothers hated him, and he ended up being sold into slavery, going from slavery uh, into prison. And it took 13 years, long years, um, to become a prince of Egypt, working right underneath Pharaoh. You know, through all of that, you never find him impatient. You never find him angry, bitter. You never find him quitting. Because he waited on God. He learned, he, he learned and he knew how to wait upon the Lord. And God brought all those dreams to pass. How about King David? You know, King David was anointed to be king as a teenager. He's probably 17 or 18 years old. He's anointed to be king. But it's seven years, seven long years. You know, at 17 years old, it, seven years is an eternity. And it took seven more years before he became king of all of Israel. David had to wait. You know, when the angel appeared to Mary and said to Mary, you're a, uh, highly favored uh, among women. And he said, you're going to have a, uh, a son and he's going to be called the son of God, not the son of, of Joseph or the son of you. He's going to be Jesus. And you know what? What's amazing about Mary, we always forget, she waited on a godly man. She kept herself a virgin until she and Joseph got married. And she waited. And God said, you know what? I want to use that girl. I'm going to use that girl who waited and didn't just get into bed with somebody, just didn't get to pick the first person who winked at her. She waited on the Lord. Okay. What was going on? You know what I did? I forgot to plug the laptop in, and it just went blank, and I realized I had not plugged in. Battery only lasts so long. Listen, let me move real quick. God causes these people to wait, and I had to, Nita said, so you're having to wait now, trying to find this uh, uh, power plug. Anyway, um, talking about Mary, she waited for the right guy, and God honored that. She had a good husband there, and God will always honor your patience as well. So how does waiting help us to keep going? Now I'm going to get to the message, and it's just bang, 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 straightforward. Watch this. Go to Isaiah, where we, where we started. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. <clears throat> Four things, and we're done. Okay. Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Learning to wait upon the Lord. Number one, I'm going to give you four truths. Look at verse 28. Truth number one, God does not tire nor faint. Look at verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the eternal God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. Now just stop there for a second. I want you to understand that God's not like us. He doesn't get tired, doesn't get weary, doesn't have to take a nap in the afternoon. He is all-powerful. The proper word is omnipotent. And you've got to start believing that again. You see, to have created this entire universe and keep it running could not have happened by accident. Some big bang didn't create this universe. Almighty God did. Look at Isaiah 45 and verse 12. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45 and verse 12. I have made the earth and created man upon it. Wasn't an accident, it wasn't evolution. God created. I even, my hands, have stretched out what? All the heavens and all their hosts have I commanded. That's a great verse. Do you know, um, God created our universe. And I don't know if you can see that. That's just a galaxy giving you the idea 
A galaxy is not just some blob up in space, just static. It is in motion. It is spinning. That's very slow compared to our sight. But God made everything there is. He created everything out there in here, and it is alive. It is active, and God did it. He didn't break a sweat when he created everything there is. I mean, you know, when I'm doing stuff, Dean and I go for a walk, and it takes a little while as we go for a walk, and then she says, let's run, and then we run, and all of a sudden, you break out a sweat, and you're, you start to say, okay, all right, I'm, 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 you know, feeling it, I'm feeling the burn, so on and so forth. But, you know, God, as he created absolutely everything's universe, he didn't break a sweat. It didn't cause him to, to get worn out or tired at all. You see, that's the God of the Bible. That's the God of heaven and earth. That's the God who became a man and lived the perfect life for us. He died the substitutionary death for us on the cross, and he got up three days later for our sins. That's the God we worship, we love, and we look forward to meeting soon. The question is, do you know him? He's a God that does not tire or faint. Look at, ver look at truth number two, still in the same verse, verse 20, back to Isaiah 40, verse 28. When he says this, when he describes this, I want you to see some. Verse 28, hast thou not known? Do you not know this? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. Now, it doesn't say he was, as if he was weary, creating everything, and he left. Please stay with me. It doesn't say neither is he weary, meaning he's actually holding everything together right now, literally. He's not tired at all holding everything Together. God didn't just create everything. He's actually holding everything together. Colossians chapter 1 says this, For by him were all things created by Jesus, that are in heaven, that are in earth. Everything is visible and invisible. He created not only trees, but he created gravity. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and they were, for, they were created for him. And he is before all things. He's more important than all things. And by him, all things hold together. All things consist. Now, you may not realize it, but every proton and neutron and electron is held together by something called the strong force. Scientists don't have another name for it because it is unbelievably strong. When you split the inside of an atom, you get an incredible amount of explosion. But that unknown force has a name. His name is Jesus. He is the not only created the universe, he holds this universe together. Everything is held together by the God we worship. See, somebody says, you're just religious. No, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a believer in, in reality. I know the protons and, 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 uh, protons and neutrons do not stay together. Electrons want to leave the atom. and God holds it together. And scientists try their best to try to explain how magnetism and all this stuff works. Hey, they don't explain it very well. And I don't think they ever will figure it all out. All I know is it works because God's holding everything together. He says he is not weary. <clears throat> Number three, here's a great truth. He has infinite understanding of all that is going on in the universe. Look at the end of verse uh, 28. There is no searching of his understanding. What does that mean? Well, uh, He's, um, uh, there is no reaching the limit of his understanding and his wisdom is how I was trying to write it out. You see, he understands everything that's going on 
on Mars, on Pluto, in other galaxies. He's watching every grain of sand everywhere in this universe. And he's watching you. He knows when sparrows fall out of a tree, baby sparrows. He knows when, when, uh, uh, when people are hurting. He knows when people are losing things and when, they're, uh, when they've lost loved ones. They know what goes on inside the heart of everyone. God, see, he's omnipotent. He's holding everything together. He understands. He grasps. I can't grasp more than four or five things at one time. He understands everything. Truth number four. God has plenty of ability. Look at verse uh, uh, 30. Well, look at verse 29. It says, He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. You know, the truth is this. God has plenty of power, strength to spare, but then he gives such strength away. Look again at verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Now, this is where it gets real practical, okay? <clears throat> None of us are exempt from needing uh, God's help to finish well. If we're going to press on, if we're going to live the Christian life, every one of us needs a strength beyond us. Too many people wear out because all they're doing is trying to do things in their own strength, and they haven't learned how to lean on the Holy Spirit, which is next week's message. Just hold on. <clears throat> now, this is our need for the moment. If you notice, what we just saw was a four-point outline. You need to write these things down. Number one, you need to personally know the creator of all things. He is a person. You can't get to know electricity. You can't personally know gravity, but you can know the author of creation. He's a person. If you're going to get, if you're going to get renewed, revived, if you're going to get restored, let me tell you, you need to walk with God. You need to have a personal knowing. Paul, 25 years as a Christian, he said, you know what my greatest desire is? To know Jesus. I just want to know him more. Second thing you need to go uh, to learn or uh, to do is to trust that he's holding everything together, including you. The only reason why you're not in a, a grave right now, the only reason why you haven't fallen apart completely, because God's holding you together, you need to trust that. You need to trust that he can hold you together. The only reason why your car starts in the morning is because God's holding it together. You need to trust that he's holding everything together. Number three, you need to trust he knows what he's doing. And he, he, he knew what he was doing when he made the sun. He knew what he was doing when he made this earth. He knew what he was doing when he made everything. He knows what he's doing when he's getting you to go through your circumstance. Number four, you need to believe that he has the strength for you to spare. He's got enough for you to spare. And then he gives us three examples. Go look down in verse 31, our memory verse this month, verse 31, but they that just wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <clears throat> what will it be like, Pastor? Be like this. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Three things. Look at this. He gives us an example of the eagle. Now, one of the most majestic birds in the world, eagles, when they're fully grown, have a seven-foot wingspan. They're, they're amazing to watch. You ever take a paper airplane and you throw it, it's like, but you take a, a large airplane and it takes off. It's majestic in its flight. Same thing with a large bird. But every eagle goes through a time of what's called molting. Molting is something that several different kinds of birds go through, but especially the eagle, where the eagle gets at a time. Now, eagles usually go... And they can, they can live up to 50 years. Some, some have been known to live a little longer. But during that time, there's a time where they stop. 
and they, 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 call, they call it molting, but it's really, it's moping. They don't want to eat. They just stay on the ground. They, they actually, they, they, they just want to die. <clears throat> they quit being eagles. And so they sit there and, and they pluck their feathers out. The feathers fall out. Their, their beak is all crusty with calcium and they, they just don't want to open the beak. They just, they just whimper and they're on their way to death until they find themselves somewhere near a, the edge of a cliff somewhere. And uh, on that cliff, they feel a breeze after a couple of, takes about two months and then uh, sometimes a little longer. And then on the edge of that cliff, a breeze comes under that wing and all of a sudden that eagle notices their new feathers there. Now all the while that, that uh, eagle has been moping around, he's been hitting his head against the rocks. Not knowing it was instinctive because he was knocking off all of this calcium that built up on the outside of their beak. And as they beat that beak against the rock, they didn't know that it was freeing up that beak to be able to move again and become like a, like a trap. And then as that breeze comes under those wings, all of a sudden it gets lifted up and that bird is reminded what he is. And then in a split second, that, that bird realizes I can fly and gets back out into the air and doesn't come back for hours and just goes in the, in the air currents and just goes around and is an eagle again. And God says, I can renew your strength the same way you're banging your head against the wall. You're discouraged with your own Christianity. You hate who you are. You're defeated by everything you attempt to do. And you don't want to eat. You don't want to sleep. You don't want, you can't find joy. And you're there. And God says, just give it some time. Everything you're going through is, is changing you. And you may not like what you're going through, but what you become is what I designed you to be. It's like an eagle. So it gives us eagle, and, and some of you are like saying, man, it's taken a long time. I know what you mean. It takes a long time for some of us to change. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall become like the eagle. He gives another example, and he gives the example of a runner. He says, they shall uh, mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Now, no runner ever just uh, goes on any long distance without becoming exhausted. You know, you see these people and they can run 20 miles and they seem indomitable. They just seem like they can't, they won't, they can't stop. But I guarantee you, inside, they hit walls and they, they run out of strength. And there are times when every runner wants to quit. There's not a runner alive that just can run and never break a sweat. No, we're all human. But the mature, the prepared runners know that even though they become exhausted, there is a point where if they just keep going, they get that second wind. And then it's running like they've never run before. And that is a proof that in the same way that God gives a runner that, that second wind, he'll give you that second wind, that third wind, that fourth. Depends on how long you're saved, you will need lots of second winds. Then he got to give you a third example, and he said, and that's just for the rest of us. Not all of us feel like we're flying. Not all of us ever get to the place where we're running at lightning speed. But he gives a walker. He says, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You know, a walker may not be flying, may not be running, but he's walking. Sometimes fast, sometimes slow. You know, some of the best exercise, they tell you, getting on the treadmill? No. Pushing the bench press? No. Some of the best exercise is walking. Isn't that funny? God says, I won't, I won't take you down any further than that. 
Just keep walking. You say, I can't, I can't keep up with so-and-so. Don't try to keep up with so-and-so. Don't try to be super spiritual. Don't, don't try to be super mom or, or uh, uh, super rich dad or, or all these things. Why don't you just walk the walk? Just stay the course. God says, I'll give you strength to just keep walking. That is so important, dear friend. Every one of these are examples that God promises to give us, his children, his waiters, the strength we need for every day to press on. Now, here's a question. You ready? How does someone get spiritually recharged? Are you ready? I'll tell you next week. I'll tell you next week. It, there's a lot to it. I'll tell you this. Look in uh, Psalm 90, uh, sorry, Psalm 37. And if you'll look there, you'll see ahead uh, some of the good stuff that I'll be bringing up next week. By way of conclusion, if you're tired, if, you're, if you yearn for renewal of inner strength and joy, God offers guaranteed strength. He offers to renew that strength. Now, it's not for people to go get strength. You know, some people go on a diet and they cut out all the sweets, they cut out the coffee, they cut out everything, and then they start feeling, feeling great and better themselves. You know what they do? They go back to the sweets. They go back to the uh, overdose and all the coffee. Don't say it's wrong to drink coffee. I love a little bit of coffee. But um, uh, they go back on all the old things that ruined them in the first place. And God doesn't give you strength for that. So don't sit there and think that God is going to strengthen you so you can go back to your drink. God's going to bring your marriage back together so you can go back to drugs. Or so you can fight or, or, or sin against God and each other. God doesn't give you strength to keep doing that. He's wearing you out so that you don't keep doing that. He gives such strength to the weary waiter. Mm. He gives such strength to those who are tired and weary of doing right. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing, for we shall reap if we faint not. So you need to ask God, God, keep me from fainting. Strengthen me for today so I don't quit. Because God will strengthen you. You know, when you've run out of joy and excitement in the Christian life, God will help you. You know, when you're just worn out by life itself, God says, I'll renew your strength. But you're going to have to learn how to wait on the Lord. Because those are the kinds of Christians that God helps. Do you know the creator of the universe, the one who made you? I'm not talking about your parents. I'm not talking about some test tube. I'm talking about, do you know the creator of you? The creator of this universe created you. Do you know him? You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, as they argued with him and tried to constantly uh, argue and fight and debate with him, he says, you know what your problem is? You don't know me. You do not know me. And therefore, you will die in your sins. Do you know Jesus? Do you trust that he's holding everything together and he's holding you together. He's holding your family together. If you've got a family still in your house, that's a miracle. God's holding it there. I mean, yeah, maybe things are falling apart, but let me tell you, if it's holding together by a thread, God's got the thread. Do you trust he knows what he's doing? You say, God, everything's, everything's going opposite. I'm trying to do right and everything's going wrong. Trust in the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We believe that he has strength for you to spare. You get up in the morning, you're tired, pray. Get in the morning and you get in the afternoon, you just want to quit. Pray. Say, Lord, I need that strength. I need just enough to get me through today. He'll give it. So um, I hope you want to learn to wait. I'll read that psalm again, Psalm 130. Don't go there, but just here it is. Psalm 130, verse 6 says, My soul 
waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Do you have that kind of hunger and yearning? Some of you are still hesitant. Well, if that's true, if you will do that, they'll need you to at least ask for the recharging. See, prayer is that secret key that unlocks the grace of God. Let us come before the throne of mercy that we may find grace to help in time of need. That's Hebrews 4, 16. Listen, why would you waste time going to everything else when you can go to the throne of grace that, that supplies all of the help you need? Some of us are like this lad right here, just <laughs> standing around, beating the head against the wall, waiting, waiting, waiting. It's the wrong kind of waiting. Some of you are, 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 are waiting until God makes you believe. God doesn't do that. Say, so, well, I'm waiting on God to convince me. He already has. You see, he already gave you a Bible, expects you to read it, know it, and test it, and find out is it true. And if it's true, then believe it. If you're waiting until all your questions are settled, you will die and go to hell. There are going to be some questions that are never going to be settled. You're just going to have to learn what God has told you and say, that's enough for me. You know what? Your life will not going to last forever. 2 Peter 3.10 says this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night when you're not looking for it, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements, all of atoms, oxygen, helium, uh, hydrogen, all the atoms, all the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You know, time has a way of ending, and it will end one day. Hebrews 9.27 says your life will end one day. Hebrews 9.27 says as, as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this, the judgment. St. Corinthians 6.2 says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation of tomorrow. You know what? I'm going to say something that might shock you, but the Lord's waiting on you. You say, why is God? He's, he knows everything. He's all powerful. Why would he wait on me? Because he loves you. Because the Bible is a patient God. The Bible says God is a patient God. And you need to be grateful for that, that he hadn't already let you die and end up in hell. You know what? Uh, go to Revelation. Last book in your Bible, Revelation chapter 3. The Lord is actually waiting on you. Revelation chapter 3, you say, that's impossible. Why would wait? God wait on me? Because he's that kind of a God. See, if you or I ever in charge, we'd give people one chance they didn't respond. We'd walk on, leave them, abandon them, let them die and go to hell. God's not like that. You better be glad he's not like that. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door, and he does what? Why doesn't he just walk right on in? He doesn't even have to open the door. He can walk right through the door. He says, but I stand and I knock. He respects you that, or not, that much to just knock. And if any man hears my voice and then opens the door, who's opening the door? We are. That's him waiting on us to open the door. He says, I will come in. Doesn't that blow you away? You say, God, where are you? Lord saying, no, 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 that's not the question. The question is, where are you? Why aren't you responding to my word? Why aren't you responding to the Holy Spirit on your heart, pulling you, tugging you, humbling you, convicting you? God's waiting on you to repent and believe that his son took your place in death so that he could give you the gift of eternal life. Folks, let me tell you, don't wait any longer to get saved. You can get saved right now. 
You can sit there, right there in front of the, the computer or TV, wherever you are, and you can bow your head and you can confess to God, I'm wrong. I'm a sinner. And if you were to start to list those sins, you couldn't list one thousandth of them all. <clears throat> God knows them all. And if you want to try to compete with God and say you're a good person, one day you'll stand before him, the books will be open, <clears throat> and you'll find out you never were. You had a little blips of being good, but most of your time you were selfish, you were self-centered, you were arrogant, you were proud, you didn't think of God, you didn't think of Jesus Christ, your worship was, was superficial, and you'll find out you're wicked. Don't you wait until that day, you need to confess it now. Now, don't you confess it to some priest, you confess to God, and you tell him, God, I'm wrong, I messed up, and I need to be born again. I need a new life on the inside. Dear friend, if you're listening to this, let me tell you, it's not by accident you're watching this and you're listening to this. It is for you right now to be able to determine that God wants to save you and that you can be saved. The Bible says, whosoever, anybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus, he shall be saved. Say, so what do I ask? To be saved. If, if you come to God messed up, broken, no pride, and just say, Lord, I can't go another step. I try to be good and failed. I don't want to have a new list of things I need to do. I just want a new life. And the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, you're supposed to go to church, but church doesn't make you a new person. If any man be in Christ, that's in the new life. He's a new creature. Old things are all passed away. All things have become new. If you want that, all you have to do is bow your head and ask Jesus to save you. I did it when I was 17 years old, 39 years ago. And you know what? I, it happened. I knew it. It's like everything just fell off. Everything, everything was different. You don't, you, don't, you don't feel all this electricity, whatever, but you know it worked. Would you trust him? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this great challenge to wait upon the Lord. It's a big challenge because we want to pray. We want to believe, but we don't want to wait. We don't want to give you the authority to do what you think needs to be done in the timing you think is right. But I pray that we change the way we look at life and change the way we look at the expectations of ourselves and let you just change us, God. And in this, in this time, somebody's been listening who knows in their heart of hearts they've, they've got nothing except religion, ceremonies, prayers, but they do not have Jesus Christ in their life. Jesus said, I will come in. He's knocking on the door of our heart. Would somebody please believe? I don't care who's around you. I don't care who's looking at you. Would you bow your head and ask him to save you? Right now, today, today, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, you look it up. Today is the day of salvation. Now is accepted time. Lord, I pray you would help us to find that strength and enjoy it, enjoy it, enjoy it as we wait to be renewed. In Jesus' name, amen. Got a hymn, it's Jesus I Come. Isn't that funny? He's inviting you. He's asking you to invite him into your heart, into your life. And uh, God says, you know what? You just need to decide to come to him. Out of my bondage, sorrow, and night, the song goes, Jesus I come, Jesus I come. Into thy freedom, gladness, and light, Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my sickness and into thy health, 
not talking about physical sickness only, but spiritual sickness. Out of my want, all of my things that I think I need, and into thy wealth. Here's the best part. Out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. Isn't that a good hymn? We're going to stop with that. I'll see you next week. God bless you. And uh, thanks for watching. Please, if I could be of any help, email me, text me. Um, uh, I, it would, it would, somebody took time with me 39 years ago to answer my questions the best that they could. Open the Bible and show me how I could believe, how I could trust Jesus Christ. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up uh, knowing all this stuff. I had to know from zero. Would you please contact me? And I'll take all the time in the world to try to help you so that you know Jesus. God bless you and have a great day. Amen.